You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to a special episode of the Acme Packing Company podcast. Um, I'm joined here by Evan Tex Western. Say what's up, people, Tex. Hey, it's been a while. Uh, hope everybody's summer's going well. It's going well on my end. I, I drank beige colored water earlier by accident because I drank water. <laughs> Did you see that in the APC Slack? I posted it. I missed that. <laughs> so they're doing pipe work by my house that I'm, that I'm renting. I don't own a damn house, but by the by where I sleep. Um, and I didn't realize this until probably like 5.30 today. I'd gone for multiple swigs of water at this point, as one would imagine. Um, I drink water out of the faucet like like a dog. Like I just like water fountain, <laughs> right? I didn't realize until uh, my girlfriend got home and I was like, we should make some tea that the water was, be- was beige. And I was Ugh. like, oh, that's not good. But no Look. boil warning. Didn't have any taste. I'm hoping it's just some lead and I just like microdosed (laughs) being a boomer or something. Well, look, I mean, I've I've been known to drink beige colored liquids, but um, that's at least intended to be. Yeah, yours have a kick, uh, though. I think mine have the wrong type of kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so other than that, it's been nice. The the summer actually finally started in the Pacific Northwest. It was 70 and rainy up until this past week. And now it just immediately goes into 100 degrees. It's like, okay. So it's uh it's wedding season on my end. Gotta hit a wedding like every weekend now. So. There you go. Yeah, you're still at that age where they're they're still happening now. I'm, oh, I'm they're kinda... happening with <laughs> intensity. Be- between it's like the, the pandemic delaying weddings mm-hmm. and then the people who got married or, or got engaged during the pandemic, and they were like, We already just spent like two years locked inside with each other. We might as well make this official. So yeah, it's just high volume. We have Weddings that are planned next year, even because like I, I know like uh, my girlfriend's sister, like she they couldn't get a venue like in Hood River where yeah. I grew up. Like they couldn't get a venue for a whole year. I was like, oh, OK, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, we're we're my, my fiance and I are getting married next summer, but we we planned it that way. We wanted a whole like it's a, a two year thing. We want a lot of time to plan. It's going to be a destination thing. So uh, we uh yeah, we're, we're, we're going way out and, and into like right before football season next year is, is when it's yes. happening. So it'll be good. It'll be good. Well, I got you covered. Hopefully I knock out these weddings. So I uh, have a little yeah. bit more free time to cover, cover <laughs> you next year. So we wanted to have this podcast because we just ran our yearly top plays. Um, so we got the top 10 plays of 2021 up on the site. We've been dropping one per uh, weekday. Is kind of how we've done it. A text, do you kind of want to explain the the methodology that we have? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, every year we we've done this, and and we'll we'll have everybody on staff at at Acme Packing Company vote for our individual top tens. Uh, voting criteria basically is it's kind of our favorite plays for whatever that means to everybody. So that 
could relate to an individually excellent play by somebody, um, something that has a really major impact on a particular game or the season as a whole, um, or just something that we found absolutely friggin' hilarious. And um, all those things kind of play into it. And so each of the writers put our own top tens together. We compile those, uh, rank them one through 10, uh, and then put a consensus uh, or, or compiled rankings together for, for all of us and, and rank our overall top 10 for the blog. Uh, and this year we ended up having 11 because there was a tie for the 10th spot. And uh, so we'll, we'll touch on two plays at, at number 10. But uh, yeah, I think we had se- seven or eight of us that, that put in our votes this year. And uh, we've got a, we had some good ones to pick from this season. I love this. I think this was like one of the first projects I worked on last year. Yep. when when i got hired and i was like this is great i love this you and know and it's clips in you hit me up you're like what route is this <laughs> like having a yeah Shanahan playbooks yeah it was that what what in particular i'm sure we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit but um just making sure i've got my terminology down on a few things but uh yeah there was there was some fun stuff to go through and and yeah it's always one of my favorite series that we do every year and we always try to try to drop it drop it around this time right after mini camp and um right as the the doldrums of the the summer break uh kick in for for those of us who are focused on the nfl yeah because there's i mean the packers have an open roster spot because they just got rid of kirk bankert yeah an opportunity to make a roster with someone else but until what late july there's probably not going to be much packers news unfortunately yeah so we'll do this we'll uh we'll probably get into doing a little bit of a roster breakdown down in a probably a big 53 man prediction in the next couple of weeks before we lead up to training camp. So keep an eye out for that in the meantime, but uh, you want to get into it? Yeah. Number, number 10, 10, a 10, a Russell yes. picks sixes Chicago. Yeah. So this one comes up in uh, week 14. Um, it's Sunday night football. Packers are playing at home against Chicago. It's, it's always that Packers bears Lambo night game, right? it always ends up in prime time. I think there's been one time in the last like 15 years that Packers bears at Lambeau has been like a noon game, but uh, yeah, this one was the, probably the last of Rasul's really big plays that he made. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, he'll, he'll make another appearance or two on the countdown as we, as we go along here, but this was a weird game right? The first half was full of a bunch of defensive breakdowns. Packers gave up like a 97 yard punt return to Jakeem Grant, I think in the first half. Um, Just, you know, that first half, just, you felt like it's slipping away and Rasul comes up with his big pick six in the first half that, that kind of keeps him in and actually gives the Packers a lead for a little bit before one or two of those, uh, those big touchdowns that the Bears scored before the end of the half. The Jakeem Grant punt return hurt me. Ugh. hurt me really bad Ugh. because I really liked Jakeem Grant. I was a fan of him <laughs> in Miami. I know like his agent and stuff too. So I guess I'm like a little biased. He's signed with Octagon, but Jakeem Grant is just like a hyper talented punt returner who pretty much can only do that at his size. And some of the things that he, I mean, what wasn't it the week before, like he returned a punt, like out of the end zone or something like this guy doesn't fair catch. If he has an opportunity. I think so. I think I remember us, us talking about that, like leading up to that game that, um, oh, sure, just kick it deep to, to Jakeem because he's going to do something stupid and, and take it out of the end zone. And yeah. yeah, that one, I think he fielded it at like the, yeah, it was, it was, it was 97 yards and, and picked it up at the three and decides to 
you know, just psycho just stuff. Shred through the the Packers special teams. So fun stuff. Fun stuff. But yeah, in the middle of all this, we've got a, a 55 yard pick six from Rasul Douglas. Um, it's a third and seven, I think. I did the re- the right up for this one, but um I think it was Darnell Mooney was just running a, a lazy out route and Fields just kind of floats one. And um you know, Rasul pounces. And as we know, Rasul, you know, is not afraid to to jump a route because he knows God is with him in the post. Yeah, like that's that's the crazy. And I guess I have a little more to say about a different Russell play, but like he is hyper aggressive, just undercutting stuff. Like, and, and that's why he has pick six opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Is because on these short routes, he's just not, he isn't really worried about a double move. He'll just go and attack yeah. it and say like, Hey, I know, you know, you've given this to me before. I'm not, I'm not going to get got, got twice. Like I'm going to beat you to it. And that's something that's really hard to play around. Cause he's not, it, he's not playing to the scheme like a robot, I guess is kind of the best way to explain it, right? And if he's freelancing a little bit, can you trust anything? Like, it's hard to trust things when it's like, okay, he's the backside of this play. Can I actually look over and throw it? Like, that, that becomes a different calculus that the quarterback has to make in the pocket. Yep. Yeah, and it definitely felt like this one was him picking on a, a rookie quarterback too, a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that throw needed to be a little farther out to the sideline. Uh, Fields kept it a little too far, a little, you know, too far inside of Mooney um, and, and set it up in a perfect spot for, for Rasul, who was already jumping on it to, to just make the play. The 10B, Crosby's walk-off winner against San Francisco. This one was a pretty big dopamine hit for me. Yeah. I, I just, beating San Francisco, man, that means something. San Francisco and Tampa, it feels like those are the two competitors in the NFC right now that kind of have the Packers number. I know I know LaFleur's record, like LaFleur, what, he has two wins against San Francisco now? So it's not like he can't beat them. But Yeah, that 2020 game that he, he won, was that was a COVID game too. And and yeah. that, that year, San Francisco's roster was just completely shredded with injuries and stuff too. So I almost write that one off as, as a – um, you know, is, is almost not even counting. So, and, and coming off of the week one, just debacle against the saints too. Um, you come home, beat the lions. You're supposed to do that. Um, and to kind of get that, that big jolt. And it's almost a reminder. Yeah, this is a good team. This is still a team that, that should and can and will beat most other teams in the NFC. Um, I think, Packers fans really needed that reminder after that Saints game two weeks earlier. Yeah. Yeah. What a punch in the mouth that was. We, we didn't fire Joe Barry after the first <laughs> week, though. That was nice. He ended up uh, proving himself a little that, bit. That worked out. Yeah. So, but I mean, the special teams did a good thing at the beginning of the season. Like, that was great. Although, yeah. to, to be fair, uh, San Francisco did almost block that field goal. The guy coming around the wing um, yeah. came real close to, to getting a finger on that. So, um, but then the, this, the way this whole thing was set up and, and again, we'll preview it a little bit. We'll get to another one of those plays later, but the, the way that it all kind of broke down with Kyle Juszczyk getting a touchdown and, and just kind of barreling into the end zone with 37 seconds left, um, feeling like you needed to, to let them score, to give Rogers enough time to do something. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly that's exactly what he did with, with no timeouts left. And the other ancillary thing is that, like, what was it? 
it might not have been a week later, but fairly quickly, right? The Dallas Cowboys ran into the same issue at the end of a game where they were asked to, they, they weren't able to clock the ball after, you know, a gain fast enough. And then everyone got to point to an Aaron Rodgers play and you're like, yeah, Mike McCarthy couldn't do it, but here's an example of Aaron <laughs> Rodgers being able to operate the situation perfectly. That that's always a nice bonus point too. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice, uh, that was a feel good moment too, for yeah. sure. Number nine, Crosby sets up game winner in Cincinnati. This fucking game, explicit tag. I'm sorry, but this freaking game was the death of me and i know uh, tyler was at this game down in cincinnati yes. too so yes, he was he was out there baking in the uh the southern ohio sun but three missed game winning field goals between the two kickers in the last two and a half minutes of regulation um rogers a- after mcpherson misses a 57 yarder rogers just hucks one to, to adams to set up the the game winner at the end of regulation i forgot about that until i you know, read through the the play-by-play again before we got, got on here. I completely forgot that he set that up. Um, so Crosby misses from 36, then 51, then he misses from 40. McPherson missed from 57 at the end of regulation. And then he had the 49-yarder that he drilled and thought he hit it. And it basically goes over the the upright yeah, and celebrating right? just out. Yeah, he was he had turned around and was was off celebrating at the 50-yard line. Yeah. And then realizes that it goes wide left. Um and so finally you get, you know, a second possession or second or third possession in overtime and uh, Cobb makes this incredible catch over the middle to, to basically put, put you in a, a chip shot position instead of a spot where you're kicking another 50 plus yard field goal at the end of overtime to win it. Yeah, that was just a nuts game. I mean, we didn't even talk about the, the breakdown at the end of the first half, right? Yeah. The, the Packers were able to put up, I mean, they put up, I think something like 400 yards offensively during regulation. And then um, the, the reason that they were able to stick into this game, the Cincinnati Bengals is because not only the, the field goal misses from the Packers, but also the fact that like they had that weird play call in the end of the first half where yeah. something rhymed or something. The, the way it was explained was something rhymed. So the coverage was playing coverage. But the pass rush was like just must rushing. Like they were just playing contain or something when they were supposed yeah. to go back and get after Joe Burrow. So Burrow's back there patting the ball for 10 seconds. Jamar Chase just like teleports from the left sideline to 70 yards downfield on the right sideline. And there's a who a, someone dove for a ball and missed it. I can't remember which DB it was, but yeah, I think uh, Kevin King was supposed to carry Chase and he didn't end up carrying Chase. And this was also, I think. I believe this was the first game that Rasul was really in the lineup. I think this the game before was the Steelers game. Where yeah, I think it was. Hit. I think it was the game that he got signed, but I don't know that he actually oh, okay. really played much of anything in this game. Um, I don't oh, think no, he really got in the lineup. They were, still, they were dabbling with Yadam. Yes, that's what it was. They were yeah. like, "Is Yadam it?" And they're like, "Yadam is not it. We need nope. to figure something else out." Yeah, this yeah. game was. This firmly falls under. I, I know you get into a tricky situation where you just like throw out games and you're like, this, this was not real. This game will never happen again, but this Bengals game literally yep. will never happen again. I, I don't think you could get all of the situations that happened. At the yeah. Well, and then on this play, I mean, we, we barely even talked about the cop play to begin with, but mm-hmm. um, so he, he takes this 
takes a pretty wicked shot over the middle um, yeah. on the 16 yarder. And they originally give him the first down, um, which I mean, it was, it was a third and 16 or third and 17 play um, would have probably at that point run another play or two up the middle with, you know, with Dylan or something to see if you can center it a little bit or, uh, you know, try to try to see if you can bust one and get in the end zone. But instead now it's fourth and one and you have to kick the field goal with, Again, Crosby, who's missed from, you know, from short, from long, from medium range uh, at that end of the field, I think, as well. So um, that just added another level of of weirdness to this, that 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 replay reversal on the first down marker. I also was not team take the field goal in this situation. (laughs) You you think they should have ran it up the middle on fourth and one anyway? Look, you didn't have to run it up the middle, but you look, I trust Aaron Rodgers (laughs) to get one yard over Mason yeah. Crosby after he had missed three three field goals so that's how I felt in the moment I'm happy they ended up kicking and winning but yep. yeah the uh next play eight another game from, or another play from this game yep. Andre Campbell's overtime pick of Joe Burrow so this was crazy I I, oh I ended up writing this one up it's weird because so so it's the first play of overtime Cincinnati Bengals break the huddle they go into empty immediately they're just like, yeah, we're, we're, we're throwing the ball. Like, Joe Burrow's going to be our point guard. This is what he does. He feeds Jamar Chase. Like, that's our offense, basically. Um, they go back there. They're, they're, it's, a, it's a typical play. It's, it's called Hoss Wide Juke. You can find a bunch of cut-ups of it on YouTube. It's what they run with Gronk a lot. So, like, think of you're an empty. The outside guys are running hitches. The inside guys, the number twos, are running seam routes. And then the third guy inside in trips – is basically running like an option route. So like, however the inside coverage works, he basically just runs away from that guy. So it's just an easy way to just get a couple yards, get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. The problem is Burrow and the receiver are not on the same page at all. He throws it behind him and then just Devondre Campbell catches it. And it feels like you just won an overtime on the first play after they yep. won the coin toss. Obviously it didn't work like that in terms of them winning that very next drive. But they were backed up. I mean, it, it felt like that was a win. Yeah. Yeah, and and basically you run two plays, kick it on third down, uh, and think that you're going to, you know, win with a 40-yard a field goal. And, um, yeah, that was a that, – that, that felt like an easy game winner uh, right at the start of overtime. And especially off the, the slightly, you know, deflating, all right, we've just missed a game winner at the buzzer, and Cincinnati wins the overtime coin toss and gets, gets the football. Um, just such a, a huge momentum shift at that point. Um, and, and obviously again, it, it took another, you know, eight or nine minutes of, of game clock before the Packers ended up finally, uh, putting that field goal up and winning the game. Yeah. Just... Crazy. <laughs> uh, that was also like the start. Cause I think that's the first week of October. That was the yep. start of, uh, Devondre Campbell being able to post up, you know, uh, NFC October player of, of the week or of the month for, for the defensive side. So that yeah. was nice. It was nice to see him get recognition. I still don't understand how he didn't get pro Bowl votes. I assume that's part of like fan vote that probably kept him out a little bit, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the sports writers gave him all pro, right. The league gave him uh defensive player of the month. So yeah, it's kind of tough to see how he didn't get recognition. Well, I guess, <laughs> It'll probably it's come funny, like next year. thinking thinking back on this season, it felt like that was sort of the statement play for kind of when he was putting his his stamp on the defense, right? Like I'm here, I'm going to be an impact player for this defense. 
he had a pick against Detroit in week two, but that, that was a weird like Monday night game. Again, it was a, a, a game that, you know, the Packers were expected to win and, and win one pretty handily. But I think this was the the statement play where he kind of stood up and said, all right, this is, this is my defense. I'm going to be, you know, a big time guy this year. Yeah. Um, Number seven, Aaron Rodgers fakes out Jalen Ramsey. This was also <laughs> a great moment. Uh, th- this one is pure hilarity factor, right? Um, just just an unbelievable, hilarious play. And, and to do it after the ridiculousness of Jalen Ramsey in the playoffs against Devontae Adams last, the, yeah. the previous season, you know, the, 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 the pre-snap motion stuff, um, to have Rodgers just fake him out with a pump fake to nobody uh it it felt that it was just so much fun (laughs) and it's what rogers has been doing for 15 years i have like a twitter thread going on of like every (laughs) single time rogers does this every time he pump fakes he's running Mm -hmm. he's running every single time and no one has figured this out in 15 years sometimes guys would yeah they just jump right out of their shoes just stay grounded this guy likes to play games man I feel like I remember a Leonard Floyd one against the bears a couple of years ago in particular. I can't remember what you, you know, when that was, but basically, you know, same, same type of thing, but at least in terms of the context of this game, right. That's, that's late in the first quarter. Um, it's actually the first score of the game. So it puts the Packers up seven to nothing. Um, Rams came in as a two point favorite in this game. Yeah. I had forgotten about that, that, um, you know, Packers are coming in off a loss to Minnesota, uh, licking their wounds a little bit. But um, yeah, that that got the offense off to a, a pretty good start, and uh, yeah, Packers would end up winning relatively handily. Yeah, um, for sure. That was also so. when like Stafford was banged up too, because that was yeah. when like Stafford went from playing really good to like having probably like a month of like subpar play, and it was yeah. like, oh okay, he's bang- he's banged up right now, and then obviously. By the time they got to the playoffs, he was going toe to toe with Brady and everyone else. So, yeah, Packers kind of got him at the right time. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, getting the win in this game, um, Packers ended up beating both of the Super Bowl teams in the regular season. Oh, I know. Which I know that that <laughs> it's 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 one of those things like, oh, that's great. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, and we still didn't get a playoff win. That yeah, but, special yeah. teams. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, number six, MVS yeah. goes 75 yards to the house in Minnesota. Longest play of the year. Um, I think it was one of the only plays over 50 yards almost all season. Really felt like a season that, that was a little bit devoid of those really big explosive plays on offense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, to the, this, was, this was such a huge response because it comes right before the two-minute warning, right after Minnesota takes a seven-point lead. And instantly, right, Packers respond um, with a, you know, great route, great throw from Rodgers, and, you know, MVS does MVS things. It's Basically running really fast. So It's kind of crazy. Like, we know MVS is a speed demon, right? But it is kind of crazy how impactful those singular explosive plays are to his overall total. Like, mm-hmm. he's had receptions of – 74 yards in each of the last three seasons last year if you take away this play you only had 355 yards Jeez, like it's kind of it is kind of funny like that is what he does and that's kind of like the only thing that he does Mm -hmm. in certain ways crazy stuff but yeah obviously then 
you know, Packers end up losing that game, giving up a, a long two minute drive at the end of the game. So it was, was all for naught after a couple of dropped picks. If I remember right, I think Savage yeah. had a uh, Savage remember, had like three. It felt like, uh, I remember I, I was watching this game on my phone, driving back from a curling tournament in Cincinnati and you know, lost my mind when, uh, when MVS breaks this one, um, thought that Savage had it, had the pick in that, that two minute drive that I think that one was the one that got overturned on replay. If I remember yeah. right. Cause I think it was inside of two minutes, uh, you know, thinking, thinking the Packers had that one won and locked up. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a rough way to go at the end of that one, but led right into, you know, week 12 against the Rams, which, which worked out pretty good. Number five, another Russell play Russell pick sixes Stafford and cup. Pretty good combo. I've heard. Yeah. Super bowl championship. Uh, uh-huh. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. They, they put up some numbers this last season, but I think uh, you mentioned Stafford being banged up in the middle of the season. I think that probably played into it a little bit on this play because watching it back, it, it did not seem like his throw on this play had the zip that a Stafford throw normally does. Um, now, some of that might have been a little bit of pressure. So Preston had a, a, a really nice kind of looping edge pressure that he, he worked his way back to Stafford a little bit. And then Kenny kind of worked his way back from, you know, collapsing the pocket a little bit on top of him. And I think that that helped a little bit. But also Stafford was staring down Cup the whole way from the snap. Um, Campbell was stuck in, in basically one-on-two coverage with both Tyler Higby and Daryl uh, Henderson on his side of the field and nobody else to help him. And so if Stafford even looks for a split second at the other side of the field, he's got an easy first down, but instead he, uh, he throws it to, to cup. And again, Rasul crashing and, and making a great play in the ball. Um, just his, his instincts, um, on some of those, those shallow routes and jump of those routes are really, really exciting, <laughs> really and, impressive. And this, you even have it written down. Like it fe- felt similar to the bears play, but like, this is where it becomes really hard to even pick up Russell's tendencies because he's, because he's not consistent. Right. And that might be why Stafford stared him down the entire time. The Chicago play, the Chicago pick six, it's on an out route, right? Yep. Cup basically runs like an out route and then like a five yard in, he like comes back in. They have to do it with the spacing because they're in bunch sets, even though they're in the gun and all that stuff. So I think Stafford probably stares at him because he's like, I want you to buy bite on the out route so that, you know, the five yard in is wide open, mm-hmm. but then Russell just stays there, doesn't bite the out <laughs> route and then picks out, picks off the fin. And it's like, how do you, how do you game plan against this guy? Like when yeah. he's just doing like, it's almost like a random number generator. And then once you're <laughs> playing against a random number generator and he's biting on, on first or second move, he's, he's in the quarterback's head and Stafford probably is hurt at this point too and kind of an underrated storyline i think of this offseason that i think will impact the nfc like stafford's not throwing right now stafford's been mm. getting shots in his shoulder since march he still mm. hasn't thrown so like i think he's he's probably i mean certainly played more games last year than he's ever uh played before plus he played through injury plus they're coming off of the super bowl like we'll, we'll see what the super bowl hangover looks like for the rams i mean i think that's a very interesting situation to monitor moving forward but this play was definitely nuts i mean it's stafford who i think was the best pocket passer in the league when he was healthy last year throwing to cup who's 
maybe the most automatic slot receiver we've ever seen. He wasn't in the slot on this play, I don't think. Um, he was on the outside with the yep. with the spacing, but he was in a bunch set. So it's like everyone's kind of playing the slot in some sort of way. Great play. And just yeah. still like, I want to just ask Russell, like, what goes through your head? Like, I just want to <laughs> walk through like those two plays, the, the yep. Chicago play and this play. We like, well, what changed? Because you would have jumped one of them and you didn't jump the other. Yep. Yeah. What, what, what are you seeing? Right. Like what's, yeah. what is the, what is the trigger? to to make that make that determine that decision i mean it might and, be down uh, a distance that. honestly like it, well it might be as simple as that i think there i think there is something to that because both of these were roughly like third and seven third and eight plays and so that might be part of it um just thinking okay i'm gonna because because in both cases he was lined up about 12 12 to 14 yards deep um and then he breaks on on those routes that are basically right at the sticks so yeah that maybe that's I'm sure that probably does play into it at least some point. Number four. And this is where I think we really start getting into like, these were all contenders for number one. Yep. I think in a different year, the number, the number one is just too good, but it, it like last year, these all would have been contenders for number one. I think. Yeah. Number four, Jair covers the whole field against San Francisco. This play is great. It's an interception. He high points it on uh, George Kittle the San Francisco 49ers are backed up. So this gets, you know, the Packers quickly into a scoring range. Packers are playing quarters. Um, it's pretty clear really early on that this is, this is kind of the change, right, to Joe Barry. This is what quarters defense looks like, where no one's in your zone, post the post. And Jair just like screaming is just running, high points George Kittle, and it ends up becoming a bracketed pass when, when – uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo thought he had something wide open and post a post is supposed to be open in quarters. Cause you basically have that, like not middle of the field safety, but like hash safety, you have one-on-one. So if you can get inside leverage on that guy, it should be open. And then Jair just like teleports and picks it off. Love it. Yeah. The, the, the awareness to just bail when there's nobody, nobody in your area and then the the sheer speed and athleticism that he yeah. had to chase that ball down that's the that high pointed kittle kittle has <laughs> more than a half a foot on on jair yeah. just absolutely insane so definitely that that one 100 falls under the incredible uh, individual effort and and performance category and and yeah that that one very easily could have been you know a number one play contender I'm really happy we got this Jair play because I do think we probably would have gotten a, a couple of edge lords uh, that would have been like, I don't know how good is Jair anymore. Like if, a yeah. year off from injury, then getting the big deal. I think if we don't have this play, we get a couple of people chirping like, I don't know, is the Jair deal a good thing? And it's like, stop, stop. This guy's amazing. He high pointed yep. the, the number one tight end in the league. <laughs> get out of here. Awesome. Number three, same game again. Yep. Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams over the middle to set up Mason Crosby winner in San Francisco. That, that, that play was nuts. I mean, you had I, yeah, ball placement over Fred Warner's fingertips. I mean, right over, like you might've been able to fit like certainly less like a couple cards between, between the ball and his fingers. There's three plays to me that, that just, just, eliminate Rogers ball placement, right? It's, it's the, the one in the Super Bowl, 
thread the needle to 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 Jennings. Um, it's the ear hole shot on Eric Kendricks against Minnesota yeah. from a couple of years ago, and then it's this one. Yeah, this is this is right up there with those other two. And Warner, right? Like again, we're if we're talking about like not just who Green Bay is on the field, but like level of competition out there. We were talking about you know Jair high pointing the top tight end in the league like fred warner is the best coverage linebacker in football and yep. he is absolutely insane i mean fred warner was doing some things in, in that first game in uh for san francisco that was just nuts i mean he was blowing up a lot of a lot of these runs so he was making an impact felt and and for the game winner to go right over him was pretty nice too yeah well and then they get down spike the ball and you're still at that point only about the the 50 yard line and and rogers does follow it up with another one up the left sideline to adams i think that one i i'm trying to remember that play but i feel like they just kind of left him open in the um in the hole up the sideline in the, yeah. the cover two hole and um he just you know puts a, a nice easy back shoulder throw up the sideline and you're good to go and come out comes crosby for uh for the game winner great win i think that's maybe the best i felt of any win during the regular season I guess they didn't win in the postseason. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, again, it's it's that that emotional lift after that week one. You know, you need the uh, and the first um, half of week two too. I mean, they were struggling yeah, against that's true. The Lions. Jared Goff was just back there patting the ball, and they were like, "We gotta, we gotta change something up. Like, we can't, we gotta get a defensive stop at some point." Yep, I think the uh, the game for our number two play is probably second on that list on that. To the, to the San Francisco game for me. So um, play number two, Rasul locking it up with a pick against Arizona, his old team sitting on their practice squad three weeks earlier. And the Packers go out and get him after failing to, to get Stefan Gilmore in a trade yep. after the Jair injury. So they get, I think, didn't they sign Quentin Dunbar too, like randomly yeah, off the street? I think they, they, they just, at that point, they're, they're throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. So grabbing, grabbing Rasul, grabbing Dunbar um, and to have him come up and like, it's, like you mentioned, you know, he had a little bit of snaps um, I think in that Washington, maybe in the Chicago game um, the, the two weeks earlier, but this was, I think really the game where they, they realized, okay, this guy might have something obviously Adam's not it. Um, and he played most of this game. And I mean, Packers did it with, with no receivers, None. Basically. Everyone had COVID at this point. Jawan Winfrey was, I don't know if he was the leading receiver, but I mean, he got probably 30 plus snaps in that, in that yeah, game. Cause he, he was getting more snaps than Malik or even yep. Amari Rogers at that point. So. Right. And then just the, the, this play with Arizona coming down, down by three points, you know, all, all they have to do would be sail it out the back of the end zone, kick the field goal. At least you're going to overtime, but for, for Rasul to come up with this pick, against the the team that you know that had him a couple weeks earlier in that situation um was just incredible and and that was i mean that really was obviously what kicked off the story of rasul douglas this year and and then those pick six to pick, pick sixes just add to it but um yeah this was the this was the one that started it all i mean it felt like a sports movie yeah right? like this had to this had to have been the greatest moment of Russell Douglas's career, right? And then being able to turn to the home crowd, right? The the, the lady in the uh, 
Cardinals jersey just slumped over the end zone wall. And he's like, I just won and I beat my former team. You didn't believe in me. They did. <laughs> Thursday night football. At this point, the Cardinals were undefeated too, right? They were the yep. last undefeated team yeah. in the NFL. So, yeah, th- this was a great game. This was really fun to watch. It also falls under the category of this will never happen again with like all the weird stuff. Because it wasn't, I think JJ was like banged up or hurt. I can't remember what, what was going on. Yeah, that. I think that was while he was out with like a torn biceps or something. And he yeah. came back in like week 17 or something like that. Yeah, so Same. there was just a lot of stuff happening on both sides that it was like, obviously, Jawan Winfrey is not going to start another NFL game on purpose. But that was <laughs> nice for it to end on a Russell Douglas pick. Him look turning at the crowd and just being like, I just conquered this whole stadium. <laughs> and being able to like look at the sideline and be like, Cliff Kingsbury, eat, eat my butt. <laughs> well that was a that was a tough game too from a from a losses perspective right i mean tunyon goes down with a torn acl you lose kylan hill with a torn acl on the kickoff return um you've got all these guys out with covid and so you're you're already down to a skeleton crew on offense um and you're kind of working the same way at the quarterback unit at that point and um yeah that to 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 emerge from that, knocking off the only remaining undefeated team in football, basically pulling even with them at seven and one, getting that tiebreaker. Um, like I said, short of that San Francisco game, I think this was the next best like emotional point of the season for me. Yeah. And then number one, I still own you. Just the pettiest thing <laughs> I think I've ever seen in my life. Just trampling, uh. trampling the Chicago Bears in Soldier Field after the game. Aaron Rodgers says, like, I don't think this is my last one. And you're like, he's coming back. I told you, he's coming back. This isn't going to end ever. We're never going to die. This, this is great. Uh, it, it was, it's just so perfect, right? Like this, this fan base, this Chicago fan base that has known nothing but pain when it comes to Green Bay quarterbacks for the last 30 years and just drive that stake in a little bit farther right? Um, it, it doesn't get any better than that. What people don't realize about punching down, it's fun. Yeah, It's fun. <laughs> people forget it's fun. Like, I, I like to do it to, to Lions fans for a long time, but now the Lions are, like, kind of fun. I'm still happy they didn't take away my Bears. And yep. it seems like the Bears, I still own you thing, it, <laughs> it might last another administration, a full administration. Because <laughs> I think they full, after seeing this general manager work, I think they're just going to fully ruin Justin Fields. I think they're going to do it. They got the quarterback that I didn't want them to get because I thought uh-huh. he was going to be good. And I think they're going to ruin it before they can fix it. They're, they're The best receiver they're going to give this guy in his first two years in the NFL is Darnell Mooney, who's like, let, let's be fair. Darnell Mooney's not a bad player. He's fine. But the best, the best guy. as much as I did when I was in eighth grade. <laughs> and you, the best you're going to give him in the offseason is a 25-year-old rookie? Come on. And, and the fact that, and not to pile on the Bears too much, but let's pile them on them more. The fact that Sean McVay was, like, willing to give Allen Robinson that contract means he thinks, like, Allen Robinson basically just quit on that team. Because yeah. there's no way you watch <laughs> Allen Robinson even on film last year, and you're like, yeah, that guy warrants that type of a deal. So he thinks, like, Allen Robinson was holding stuff back. So I guess, I mean, we'll see. I saw, like, Tevin Jenkins, the guy they drafted in the second round, who, like, theoretically at this point probably should be their like best bookend uh potential bookend for this upcoming season 
was getting looks at like second string offensive line. Yeah. Like, yo, you can't miss, like you're not swinging enough to be able to miss on guys like this. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Fun stuff. Yeah. That, that, that's, like I said, that's as good as it gets. And it's, it, it never gets old pylon in the bears. We, uh, we did it a little bit. Paul had one this week. It was a fun one uh, talking about the, uh, the bears distinct lack of receivers who have played well against the Packers over the years. So give that a look if you, uh, if you have a few minutes, but yeah, I can't um, think like who's the best bears receiver we've seen. Alshon. I mean, in the last 25 years, probably based on stats against the Packers, Curtis Conway, nineties, that's never yeah, mid nineties, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's going, great. it's going back. I mean, in my lifetime, you'd think, you'd think you honestly in your lifetime, it's Matt Forte. He has the yeah, most, uh, honestly. Ma- most receptions against green Bay of, of any bears player, uh, in the last, actually that might be, uh, in, in, in <laughs> history. Yep. He's so, their Gary Rice. So. Yeah. But, um, just want to take a real quick look back. So, so this year, number one, I still own you. Um, the, the number ones, the last couple of years, it's been a little bit all over the place. So, so last year we ended up picking the uh, Zadarius Smith sack strip of Taysom Hill in the saints game. Um, that Sunday night game early in the season when for whatever reason, uh, um, wow. Why can't I think of Sean, Sean Payton's name for a second there. <laughs> He's retired out of sight. Yeah, of yeah, exactly. But but yeah, Peyton putting Taysom Hill in randomly and you know for a snap of quarterback in the in the fourth quarter and and Z coming up with the the big turnover. Uh, going back to 2019, it was Rogers' miracle touchdown to Jamal Williams in the back corner of the end zone against Kansas City. Yeah, and then um, let's let's keep piling on the Bears. 2018 was was Randall Cobb week one. Yes, Mani, Mani. Yeah. <laughs> shot up so. so much he got a southern accent <laughs> so yeah that's uh that's two out of the four years that uh that the bears are on the receiving end of our our pick for the the number one play of the packer season well we got him week two lambo yep. night game hopefully we can get another one in this next year that'd be fun that'd be a good one i'm excited uh yeah. some stuff on the site recently i wrote up uh, a piece about Josh Nyman and how we basically don't know how he can play at right at right tackle. Yeah. I have all all of his plays in pass protection at right tackle he's had in his Packers career. It took a minute and ten seconds. Uh, it's not it's not long. Um, so it's, it's certainly something to watch out for. It's the thing I'm going to be paying attention the most for uh, training camp and stuff. And then I also wrote a piece about Tyler Davis and kind of broke down his Baltimore game, which is easily uh, the best game that he had um, in terms of like the, the grading companies and stuff like that. So I think Tyler Davis is like gonna start games. Like he might start six games for the Packers this year. And Tyler Davis, you might be wondering who the hell is Tyler Davis? I've never heard that name before. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's a tight end from uh, UConn who transferred to Georgia Tech came from a quarterback background, pretty athletic for his size, picked up off of uh, the Colts practice squad last year, drafted by the Jaguars, only spent a year there. And now he's getting some film as a true Y who can kind of do a little bit more pass catching stuff than Mercedes Lewis. So I think he's kind of in that role versus, you know, Taguara, who's kind of like an off tight end and stuff. And until 
Tanya comes back, like we're gonna have question marks of like who's gonna go out there on third down because we got some Deguara plays last year and it, it wasn't great. So adding competition there would be nice. Yeah, and Davis was a, a core special teams guy for most of last season mm-hmm. too. So um, sounds like Bisacha already um, mentioned him in one of his pressers. Uh, seems seems like he really likes what he brings to the table on on teams as well. So um, certainly think he's you know going to be tight end two, tight end three um, on this roster, even when, when Tunyon returns based on everything that we've heard so far. So he'll be interesting to, to watch and we'll break down the tight end position a little more, like I said, now in the next couple of weeks, as we um, start working through our, our roster previews and uh, 53 man predictions. So we gotta, we gotta get working on that. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll get bored at some point and break down Sean Davis. Cause I think, he also is going to be a guy who's going to get playing time. He's the third safety safety, safety three in the off season. Yep. Yep. Free Annis gains though. I will say yes. Ray Wilborn, old, old friend of the podcast. Ray Wilborn yeah. is moving up the depth chart at inside line. Back. <laughs> I think he can play football. Nice. So, big Ray Wilborn, big uh, Ennis games. I don't know when we're going to have another podcast. I guess whenever some news breaks, whenever we get that 90th, that 90th uh, signing Julio Jones, please. Um, Oh, don't yeah. don't don't Send get me down. excited. <laughs> go pack go. Go pack go.